Australian tennis fan favourite John Millman, who famously defeated Roger Federer to reach the 2018 US Open quarterfinals, announced during the week that next year's Australian Open will be the end of his professional tennis career. The 34-year-old revealed on Thursday night that he'll walk away after a 10th Australian Open next year, having made the announcement on social media that all good things must come to an end. John can join us on ABC Sport. Uh, John Millman, welcome. Uh, How long have you been wrestling with making this decision? First of all, thanks for having me. Look, it, it's been an ongoing battle this year with my body and, and probably in the last kind of month or two, it really became apparent that I wasn't able to go physically another year. So, yeah, I decided that enough was enough and, and it was time to kind of do that transition on to the next phase of life. Was there sort of a moment where you've decided that the body just can't handle the, the rigours of professional tennis? Because it is one of those sports that you're away from your friends and family so often, especially if you can't get out there regularly. Uh, look, I think you're making an evaluation every year. At the end of every season, um, I really had to mentally and physically commit to, to go away again. Tennis is one of those sports where you're away 11 months of the year. And the way I played, I had to play a full schedule. I had to to use my physicality on court. Um, I wasn't good enough to play, you know, half a schedule and keep my ranking competitively in that top 100, which is when you get the opportunities to play the big tournaments, the Grand Slams, the the Masters events. So, look, yeah, obviously time away from the court and and just the ongoing prognosis of especially my back, but a little bit of shoulder problems also, it just became apparent that I couldn't do tennis how I wanted to do it, and that was full steam ahead. That's how I approached my career, to go at it 100%, and I wasn't able to do so. And it just became apparent, and therefore the decision became relatively easy. Can you give our listeners a bit of an insight into that? Because I guess for most people, they think if you're in the top 10, top 20 in the world, it looks like a pretty appealing lifestyle and and sport to be involved in. But if you're outside the top 100, as you were, then you get to the Australian Open and you might play someone like Daniel Medvedev in the the second round. So it becomes pretty hard to try and get consecutive wins when you're not ranked inside the top 50 or 100. Oh, well, look, tennis is a very top-end heavy sport. It's actually a global sport. I think we only get a little taste of that. Uh, during the uh, Australian summer in Australia. And then, you know, other sporting codes kind of dominate the media, Um, your domestic codes, your your AFLs, your rugby leagues. But with tennis, it is truly global. Um, It's played in over 180 countries, but there's only the top 100 players that are actually making money. They're the ones that are getting direct access into Grand Slams and uh, the tour events week in, week out. And that's where the money is. Outside of that, it's a real battle, and there's plenty of good players, um, you know, who are trying to break through to that that top hundred level. So once you start slipping outside of that, your opportunities to play the big tournaments where there where you can make a living really dries up. So there's that incentive, and that's been the ongoing battle throughout your career. Okay, I have to, you know, have double digit ranking at least because um, I need to to be able to to make a living and to do this sport. So once you slip outside of that, I think once you get a little bit older, um, you know, it becomes an uphill battle and it becomes financially not viable. And then complemented with the fact that your your body starts to to break down, it's it's quite physical. You're not getting the hits of your your, your footy codes or whatever, but you're playing on hard courts day in, day out, and there's a lot of wear and tear on the body. So once that happens... um, the, the negatives start outweighing the positives and so therefore the decision starts to become 
a little easier. The voice of Australian tennis player John Millman, who's announced next year's Australian Open, his 10th will be his final year competing as a professional tennis player. So is it hard to have a highlight in, in 2023 when you, you toiled away as much as what you did? And is this sort of your off-season where you get a little bit of a break and obviously a pre-season before the Australian Open starts up? Yeah, look, I am trying to get back on court right now and I'm trying to, to get my body in as good a shape as possible to to make a good account of myself over the summer. I wasn't necessarily thinking that I might play again, but I really then needed a little bit of finality, a little bit of a conclusion, and I just wanted the opportunity for my mum and dad to watch me one last time, to be honest with you. So that's the reason why I'm kind of trying to get the body in in shape and in half-decent order. It might take a few quarter-zone shots to get me on the court, <laughs> but I'll do what I can. But, no, look, it was still a highlight for the year, even though my tennis has been limited. But I did play in the manger of the Australian Open at the start of 2023, and I had a, a really good, big five-set match on a court that's really special to me, Show Court 3. I've played some massive matches there, and that Australian crowd um, getting behind you, there's no other feeling, especially on an intimate court like that. I... I beat a, a guy called, uh, last name of Fusler, um, a, a Swiss player, and it was it was amazing. Um, when you win in five sets and you've got the crowd playing every point with you, um, you know, there's still the moments that when you hang them up officially, you look back and go, you know, that's why you did it. That, that's why you played tennis. That's why you put in the hours for those moments. And I was very lucky to have one of those special moments this year. You reached a career high of 33 in the world in 2018. Your ATP singles title was at Kazakhstan in 2020 and, and represented Australia five times in the Davis Cup wearing the, the green and gold. But, of course, there was that famous victory over Roger Federer back in 2018 at the US Open in New York. Is that still one of your favourite memories when you think back across your career? Yeah, I was just in the news agent actually, just now, and... Um, that, that match got brought up and so did the Australian Open one where I lost to him uh, in five sets. And I told uh, the gentleman behind the counter there, I said, look, if I could have swapped them and actually had the big victory in Australia and, and, and not in the US, I would do that in a heartbeat. So that's probably my only regret. I would love to have won that one in Australia when I had the chance to beat Roger. But obviously, you know, making the quarterfinals of the US Open and beating... Roger Federer on, on Arthur Ashe was a really special moment. Something that a lot of people probably wouldn't know is the next day you open up your locker and, and there's a framed photograph um, when you get your first win on Arthur Ashe, which is our sport's biggest court in terms of capacity. So, yeah, no, that, that's really special. That's buried in mum and dad's place somewhere. But <laughs> I think probably what makes that special is I think Roger is such an iconic figure in tennis, but not just tennis, in world, in, in world sport. I think he's probably one of the most recognisable figures in my generation in sports. So I had a lot of respect for him. I had a good relationship with him. And to be able to, to knock off one of the best uh, will obviously be pretty special to myself. But still, probably what ranks the highest for me is when I got to represent the country at Davis Cup and Olympics. That's still the icing on top of the cake and, and the thing I'm most proud about. Yeah, I might ask you about the, the Davis Cup in, in just a moment, if, if that's okay. But uh, I was told reliably you were at the golf last week, watching the uh, the players in action at the the Australian PGA. Um, how did your golf game go, and who were you following? Well, I actually got to play the Pro-Am on Wednesday, which was such a fantastic experience. We were in Jeff Ogilvie's group. Um, the course at RQ, i got to say, it was in tip-top condition. It was uh, in great order. And I had such an amazing time out there. Uh, with some other sports people, but to see the, the big boys in action was fantastic. It definitely sounds a little bit different um, than what it sounds like when the ball comes off my clubs. 
Um, but I love it. I love it. I'm a bit of a golf tragic. It only takes me one shot to, to get me back onto the course the next week, and, and I'm a sucker for that. But loved every minute of it. I love when all the big boys come back and are playing in the their, their home tournaments, and I'll be watching the Australian Open with uh, wide eyes uh, this week. <laughs> uh, John Millman is with you on ABC Sports. So, uh, can you just give our listeners an insight? Obviously, in the lead up to the Australian Open, there's the Brisbane International, the Adelaide International. We've got the United Cup. H- how does it work in terms of players qualifying for that and getting the opportunity to pick in which which tournaments you're invited to and which ones you get to play in? It's a real challenge that too. You you actually have it's all online now, so you have your online entry system. And you have to almost commit early to um, a tournament. And if you haven't really heard, if you're not, ranking's not quite going to get you in, which if I get a point today on the 1st of December, 2023, I lose that on December the 1st, 2024. So because my, my um, year's been so interrupted with injury and I haven't really been able to play many tournaments, my ranking's um, gone the wrong way. So I've got a protected ranking and that'll get me into at least Australian Open qualifying. But then you have to wait to hear if you're going to get an invite from the tournament. Um, there's a couple of spots. They're called wildcard spots. I haven't got one of them. So unfortunately, I probably won't be playing the Brisbane International. But then I got the call up from Alex Dimonar if I can be the number two over in the United Cup. So I'm heading to Perth to start there, um, my campaign there, and, and uh, hopefully get, get Alex into some good form. He's been one of my best mates and he's, he's someone that all Australians can get behind. Very close to breaking into the top 10, and it wouldn't surprise me if he has a really deep run at the Australian Open. So hopefully I can be the team player and actually get him into a bit of form, and then I'll head to Melbourne and and start trying to prepare for at least qualifying at the Australian Open. So that's where I'm at. I'm going to do a little bit of commentary after the Australian Open, but hopefully I can play a few matches and and get mum and dad's um, support and and get some of the, 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 the loyal supporters I've had, get them around me for one last time. It sounds pretty good. Uh, have you given much thought to what life outside of tennis post-playing career might look like? Would you like to do media work? It's really tricky. That, that's actually a really challenging thing to, to almost re-identify yourself. Tennis has been what's consumed my mind for such a long period of time. And like anyone, when you have to kind of find a, a new career and start from scratch, it is a, a daunting um, prospect. Luckily, I've done all right from tennis and I don't have to rush into anything too quickly. I've actually... Um, enrolled and, and I've been accepted to, to do an MBA at QUT so I'm really looking forward to that um, kind of upskilling uh, the few uh, small skills I do have so I'm looking forward <laughs> to doing a little bit of study obviously I love uh, sport I love all things sport and I love talking so the, the commentary and the media stuff do go hand in hand unfortunately with tennis as you know it's um, really only on the television screens uh, once a month um, during the year well, I might have to put in a few phone calls on Monday if Nick Morris, our head of sport, or Tim Verrill, our EP of live sport, aren't listening to this interview because, uh, yeah, I reckon he got plenty to offer. But uh, let's put you to work straight away. And uh, the Davis Cup, unfortunately, Australia were thrashed by Italy. Their, their second loss in the final in a row in consecutive years. Italy winning the Davis Cup for a second time, their first in 47 years. And unfortunately, Alexi Popperin beaten in the, the third set, 6-4, but he had eight break points and he converted none of them in the final set. And then the world number four, Yannick Sinner, who um, has been in red hot form. He beat Novak Djokovic. He was too good for Alex Dimener. 6-3, 6-love in the second rubber. So unfortunately for Australia, another chance to to win the Davis Cup the first time since 2003, but they just couldn't get on top. What was sort of your assessment of the final? Yeah, I mean, back-to-back finals, what an effort from, from the lads there. I think your back's against it straight away because you're playing on these indoor European hard courts. Now, 
these are low bouncing hard courts. They're not really the similar hard courts that we have here in Australia where there's a little bit more life out of it. And quite frankly, we ran into a really hot Yannick Sinner. Now with the new format, there's only three rubbers. It was really important, and it's not Alexi's fault, but it was really important that we won that first tie. Uh, now he's, been, he's, he's jumped in. He's a newcomer to the scene. He played with confidence, probably played with a little bit more of that home crowd behind him and managed to stave off a few of those break points in that third set. But Sinner was always going to be so hard to stop. He obviously made the World Tour final. Um, it, it, the, the final match there came in into the tournament really confident, beating Novak Djokovic two times in two weeks. And he's so difficult in those conditions because he takes control of the centre of the court. In my opinion, Yannick Sinner right now is probably the best ball striker in men's tennis. So we really had to try to win that first one because it was always going to be a challenge for Alex, who hasn't got the best record against Yannick in that second one. And then we would have had the upper hand of a deciding doubles match because we know Max Purcell and Matt Ebden play so well together. Um, but still, look, we made the finals. And, and Leighton, if I know Leighton, he's one of the most determined blokes you will ever meet. And he'll be back to the drawing board. He'll have <laughs> Rochi in his war room. And they'll be plotting the next campaign. You know how packed the uh, the tennis schedule is. So, do you think it's ever likely that you could go back to sort of a home and away format where you do play games in Australia? Well, money talks, doesn't it? Um, and I think we kind of sold our soul to to Gerard Piquet, obviously the footballer, and with Cosmos Group, who are no longer involved. Um, they promised the world, and I think they kind of underdelivered. If I'm to be completely honest, uh, I would love to see home and away formats again. I think. Davis Cup is not just about the tennis, it's about bringing tennis to the fans in areas where they might not have, you know, uh, tennis in their backyards. And that was, in essence, the, the greatest thing about, about Davis Cup. And it's really hard. You can have the name, but it's really hard to just forego the history. And that history was about home and away ties. So really hopeful that we can get to a bit more of a hybrid, uh, you know, solution, a bit more of a hybrid format and we can have a few more home-and-away ties, especially in the finals. John Millman's with you on ABC Sport. As I let you go, John, I'm sure there's lots of uh, Australian tennis fans wondering, Nick Kyrgios, um, have you heard any rumblings as to whether he's likely to be able to play some tennis leading up to the Australian Open? Yeah, Nick Kyrgios keeps everything pretty close to his chest. From what I've heard, though, he hasn't spent a whole lot of time on court. He's still battling with his body. We saw him actually make a bit of a cameo in the commentary box uh, during the World Tour Finals. And, you know, Nick does like to be present, even if he's not playing. I'm sure he'll be present, you know, around the uh, Australian Open. So hopefully we can see him on court. We know that he really puts bums in the seat, which is, at the end of the day, sport is an entertainment industry. And people, whether they love or loathe him, they do like watching him. So hopefully he can get back in one piece. We know how dangerous he is if he is fit, because he has. And I've faced a lot of the world's best servers. And his serve ranks right up there. Yeah, absolutely. And is it wedding season when it comes to tennis players, given you get such a short off season? <laughs> oh, isn't it ever? I've actually got one later on today up in Mullaney. James Duckworth, yeah, uh, fellow Olympian, fellow Davis Cup player. And then I've got one the next day at Byron Bay, JP Smith, who obviously now plays a lot on the doubles tour. And I, I grew up actually playing with JP. He was a Townsville boy in my age group. He was always the one to beat. Um, and he's beaten me down the aisle also. So... He gets another win against me, JP. But, yeah, it is wedding season. <laughs> It'll be great to celebrate with those boys and the, and the tennis community. A lot of the tennis community is going to these ones. And it'll be great to, to see them. 
Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the tennis boys, they won't be uh, knocking back too many cold ones because they're in the middle of pre-season right now. Absolutely. Uh, John, great to catch up. Uh, thanks so much for your time. Um, good luck with your final Australian Open, and uh, we'll be in touch. I reckon you've got a big future in media. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for having me.